0: 39 days. That's 56,160 minutes if my calculator worked right on my phone. 39 days. You might be thinking back to the statistic in 2016 that it was 39 days that it took from a person to go from submitting a resume or an application to being hired by a firm. That was usually about the amount of time, but no, That's not the 39 days I'm thinking of right now. Perhaps you were thinking of the average that it takes for an average uh, human, a person, to get a haircut. They get a haircut about every 39 days. Also not the 39 days I was thinking of. It's also not the number of days in Mesa, Arizona that was, the temperature that was recorded was over 110 degrees this year. Though seeing that made me happy I was not in Mesa, Arizona. 39 days. How many days are left in 2020 today? 39. As you look back over the past year, what are some of the emotions or the the things that come to mind when you think of 2020? I, of course, did the, the only logical thing, and I asked Google what people were thinking of or the emotions or reactions they had to the year. And some of them were rather predictable. Some of them were rather humorous. Like, for example, one of of the things that I read said, they compared if 2020 were a drink, it would be colonoscopy prep. Now, some of you might laugh at that a little bit harder than others. They said if 2020 were a bag of chips... The flavor would be orange juice and toothpaste, which also is one of those things that once you've done it, you you try not to do it again. Another one just simply said it had five stars. One was filled in and just said, very bad. Do not recommend. How has it been for you? as you, you think through those emotions or things that you've thought about just looking back over the past year, has one of those things been thankfulness? Like, thank God for COVID. For quarantines. For being able to, to wear masks. for For having to go through lockdowns. Right? I, I can think of, well, probably more times than I'd like to admit, times where I look back over the past year and go, I'm not sure the attitude in my heart was necessarily one of thankfulness. Maybe you've had the same experience. Looking back, especially maybe over a hard or difficult year, and realized, boy, I haven't really expressed thankfulness to God or thankfulness to others as much as I should simply because of the situations and things that I've been going through when is it hard for you to be thankful? I'm going to give you like 20, 30 seconds. Just, just think about that for a moment. If you want, you can write it down in, in your service folder if you have a piece of paper at home. But just think: When is it hard for you to be thankful? My guess is when times are hard it can be hard to be thankful. Right? The devil, the world, our our sinful flesh Uh, we'd like to distract us with the fact that boy, you look at how difficult and, and hard things are in life and the last thought in my mind is to be thankful to God. How about when times are good? Well, the same temptations are there. The devil just flips it a bit, doesn't he? Instead of it being, boy, this is so hard, and how this is going to affect me, and oh, woe is me. Instead, the attitude is more of one that, wow, look at all the blessings I have. How am I going to use all these blessings? Or I I can look and say, I become a little prideful and say, boy, finally my hard work is paid off. Perhaps our attitude begins to slip into that which we heard about in our first lesson where where Moses is encouraging the Israelites, hey, as, as God begins to richly bless you, as he puts you into this promised land, don't forget where all those blessings come from. Why is it that whether times are good or times are bad, that we find it so hard to be thankful? I think it has to do with where our attention tends to go. When times are bad, where does our attention, our focus, tend to, 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 to go to? How all these difficult things are going to affect me, right? Right, I, I look at the difficult things that I'm experiencing in life and I immediately think, boy, how is this going to affect me? What are the changes that I'm going to have to make? Boy, those are changes I really don't want to make or I don't like making. This is going to make my life a lot more difficult. I don't like these challenges. Where is our attention when things are going well? Look at what I've done. Look at all the hard work I've put in, and, and now these are the blessings that come from it. As I, as I look at the blessings that have come into my life, I, I wonder how I'm going to be able to use these to get, to get more blessings. Or I'm, I wonder how I'm going to be able to, to use these blessings in a way that, well, props me up. I wonder if people are going to recognize how hard I've worked. I wonder if I'm going to get credit for, for all the things that I've done. It seems as though whether things are good or bad, our attention... Just naturally curves in on ourselves, doesn't it? And when all my attention is on me, it's really hard to be thankful. And that's where today's sermon text comes in. It's the words of Psalm 100. Psalm 100 comes at the, at the end of a section of psalms, starting at Psalm 93 uh, through Psalm 100, that the, the, the theme that runs throughout all of those psalms is that the Lord reigns. Maybe especially appropriate for a year like this. Whereas we look back, it seems as though things are just spinning out of control between pandemics and contentious elections and just a, a lack of love between people things that get you to be frustrated and anger and tired and overwhelmed. The theme we hear in these psalms is the Lord reigns. God's in charge. And because God is in charge, the psalmist says, you and I have reason to not only worship God, but to be thankful. So, in your service folder, if you open that up to, and see the words of Psalm 100, they'll also be shown for you on the screen. What we're going to do is just read together the first three verses of that psalm. So, verses 1, 2, and 3. We join together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So the first two verses there, right, are an invitation to praise and and worship God, to give thanks and praise to Him, right? And then verse three tells us why. So shout for joy, worship the Lord with gladness, come before Him with joyful songs. Why? because we know that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. Which makes sense and you begin to see how it fits into that larger group of psalms, right? If if God has made everything, it also means that he is then in charge. And as the creator of all things, he's in control of all things. We are his. We are his people. Just think for a moment how that would have sounded in the ears of an Israelite as the psalmist first wrote it. Right? The the Israelite would have been taken back to the promises God gave to his forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Where God comes to them and he he tells them, it's going to be through you and your family that I'm going to, to bless the entire world by sending a Savior. They would have thought back to their time in slavery and how how God had led them out of that that slavery to the Egyptians and led them to the Promised Land. They would have heard in their ears that, that, that word of God at Mount Sinai where God says to his people, you will be my people and I will be your God. I will guide you. I will protect you. I will lead you into this promised land. I will defeat you. I will defend you from defeat your enemies. I will defend you from those who attack. Right? The Israelites would have known what a special thing it was to be called one of God's people. And God has done the exact same thing for you and me. At our baptism, what did He do? He wrote his name on us. Right? He, he looked at each one of us and said, you are now my child. You are part of my family. You are my people. And he makes the same promises to us, right? He, he forgives all of our sins. He, he wipes away all of our guilt. He creates a, a faith in our heart from the moment at when we were baptized. And then from that moment on, God continues to provide for us and take care of us as he did for his people. He says, you are the sheep of my pasture. You can't help but think of our Savior, right? Who describes himself as the good shepherd and and looks at each one of us as part of his flock, as as sheep in, in his pasture. Sheep that he, well, that he guards. Sheep that he guarded with his own life as he laid down that life to protect us from the devil? To save us from our sin? A shepherd who continues to provide for all of our needs? My guess is you only have to go home and look in your pantry to see just how richly God has provided for us. Because that pantry isn't out in in the woods. It's in a really nice house that's heated and air-conditioned and a roof that maybe mostly doesn't leak or doesn't leak at all. Right? You begin to look at all the different blessings God has given to you in your life and you can't help but be overwhelmed by the sense that look how richly God has blessed me as one of his children. Look how richly God has blessed me by sending me a good shepherd who not only guards and protects me and saves me, but has also richly provided for me. Think of what that means then when times are good. It means I'm able to hear the Moses' encouragement in our first lesson and not be, well, not have it's the, the attention so much focus in on myself, but as I see all the many different blessings God has, has showered in my life, I can give thanks to God. Because that's where those blessings have come from. And it means when times are hard and, 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 and there's just been a bad year and things have been frustrating and overwhelming, it means I can remember that the Lord is still in charge. That even in those moments, I'm still one of his chi- I'm, I am still a child of God. God still looks at me and says, You are my people. It means we have so much to be thankful for so that we can look at those first three verses and say, because the Lord is God, I can be thankful. But the psalmist doesn't stop there either. Let's read the next two verses together. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. My guess is there are words there that again have reminded you of, well, probably other psalms, right? The Lord is good, his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues through all generations. I mean, just look at those three phrases, and you have more than enough to be thankful for. The fact that God loves someone like you and someone like me, who more often than not forgets to be thankful, who completely forgets that it's God who provided and has provided and has richly blessed me as much as He has, a woeful sinner who even as new blessings come into my life, forget the giver. An ungrateful sinner who when suddenly things go bad forgets to, for, forgets to thank God for all the good he's continued to provide in my life. Things that are so easy to overlook. A selfish sinner who often gets wrapped up in himself. And then to hear the Lord is, well, the Lord is good his love endures forever. A gracious love that loves ungrateful, selfish sinners like you and me. A-, a love that caused him to send his son and to keep his promises to send a Savior who forgives sinners who forget to be thankful. A love that endures Well, from the beginning of time until the day our Savior returns. And faithfulness? A faithfulness and a loyalty to you and me that regardless of the situations we find ourselves in, regardless of whether we are having a good year or a bad year, regardless of things are going really, really well, or we've just experienced the darkest, worst day in our life, God's faithful. Even when it seems as though he isn't there, he's right there. Guarding, protecting, providing, showering his love in our life, even when we don't see it. It means because God or because the Lord is good, we have reason to be thankful. Because the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness endures through all generations. 39 days. It's a lot harder to find statistics on things that only last 39 days than I thought it was. I figured it'd be one Google search and I'd be done and 30 minutes later I was still looking. 39 days before the calendar turns over another year. But we don't have to wait 39 days to suddenly be thankful, do we? No, that's the life of the Christian. It's one that, whether times are good or bad, realizes I have so much to be thankful for. And when I recognize and see the blessings God gives even when things are bad, changes my attitude, doesn't it? It it changes my attitude in in drastic ways because now I no longer walk into those things or when suddenly dominoes begin to fall and things aren't going my way, as a child of God, I, I still see the good my God has done for me. I still know the love my Father has for me. I still hear in my ears the promises my God gives me in his word I still see all the blessings God has provided for me so that even then there's joy in my heart and thankfulness on my lips. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Amen. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.